You're listening to the Deep Purple Podcast, a fan podcast about one of the most legendary bands of all time, Deep Purple. We take a look at the music, history, and people behind the band Deep Purple and beyond. Welcome to the Deep Purple Podcast, the first and only podcast devoted to one of the greatest bands in rock history, Deep Purple. Today's episode is episode number 52, Captain Beyond Dawn Explosion. And coming to you from the quarantine suburbs of Chicago, I'm your host, Nathan Beaudry. And coming to you from Providence, Rhode Island, your co-host, John, wash your damn hands, Matola. <laughs> and coming to you from... Uh... Actually, I'm creeping up behind you in Northwest Indiana. I'm Nick from the uh, Pot of Thunder podcast. That's right. We've got a special guest. However, today I'm uh, from the Deep Purple (laughs) podcast. Oh, the default. (laughs) Nice. That's that's what happens when you use a glue stick about a half hour before you put this on. I've oh, got points yeah, for trying. Well. Yeah, that's the logo yeah, well. and everything. That's awesome. Yeah, well. <laughs> I don't know if I can fit this over my headphones here. Oh, my goodness. Look yes. at that. Oh, there I, it wear is. Mine to, I wear my Pot of Thunder hoodie, uh, hoodie toque to work every morning. Nice. Fantastic. I'll tell, I I'll tell Andy that people <laughs> bought it. Oh, I love it. So uh, yeah, so this awesome. is our this is a new a new first for us. We've got our first guest host with us, Nick Jones, and uh, from Pot of Thunder. And I guess for the two people listening who are familiar with us but not Pot of Thunder, uh, tell us a little bit about your show and what you guys do. Um, it's it's kind of I guess it falls into the category of a reaction show, which I've seen a lot of like on YouTube now, but. Um, it's basically, uh, it started out as a KISS podcast. We did a song a week uh, for 300 and whatever weeks because there are that many KISS songs, studio recordings. Um, it's just us listening and we stop it whenever we have something to say and hope that it's entertaining. And uh, now we're just doing random songs, mostly hard rock, but we get into some other stuff sometimes. As me and my brother, Andy. Uh, Andy's the guy who uh, puts it all together. And then as we call him the breakout star of the podcast <laughs> medium, uh, Chris is our third guy. So yeah, we do it every week. And it is excellent. Uh, we've, we've really enjoyed it. I, um, I met John when we were about, I don't know, 12 or 13 or something. We were, you know, uh, mm. we, we kind of grew up together and John's been a kiss fan for as long as I've known him. And I never really liked kiss. And John was never able to convince me to like Kiss, but then I started listening to Pot of Thunder and started liking Kiss. So, uh, <laughs> nothing. Well, yeah. Nothing as, John as Chris, as Chris says a lot um, when people say that, which a few people have said that over the years, he always says, oh, they owe us a nickel. So I'll steal, I'll steal his line, say that right now. You guys successfully did, accomplished what I never could. It, so it took you. him over 30, <laughs> over 30 years he couldn't accomplish. Um, but yeah, I, I think uh, I was, I was um, blinded by the, whatever it is, the visuals or the whatever, you know, I, I just kind of thought, oh, it's a bunch of hokey nonsense or whatever. And when you really stop and listen to the music and get more into it um, and look past that, uh, you can really see some some brilliant stuff there, and it's, it's the same of kind of what we do on our show here is uh, get into stuff that we may have previously just written off as stupid or we didn't like or whatever. And now we we mm-hmm. kind of try to dive into it and and give it a really critical listen and 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 see what we can get from it. 
Yeah, there is something to that, to the whole, we're going to force ourselves to sit here and talk about what we're listening to instead of, I heard a little bit of it, you know, when I, when I put on the CD, I didn't like the beginning of that song. So I skipped it for years, you know, but when you're sitting there and you have to talk about it, then most of the time you end up appreciating it and it's a little unexpected. Yeah, definitely. I don't know that I would have, uh, given Nick Simper's Fandango like a full listen uh, without having this podcast kind of backing it up. So um, seriously, it's, it's good to get that exposure. So, all right, before we move on, just a few quick things. Uh, If you want to follow us, support the show, please leave us a rating on Apple podcasts or um, also you can become a patron on Patreon for as little as $1 a month to support the show. We have to thank our patrons like we do every week. At the $10 Super Champion tier, we got Steve Seaborg of NameOnAnything.com and AllTheWorldsOfStage.net and Ryan M. At the $5 tier, we have Clay Wambacher, Greg Sealby, Frank Tealgard, Mortensen, and Mike Knowles. At the $3 tier, Peter Gardot, Ian DeRosier, Mark Roback, and Anton Glaving. And at the $1 made-up name tier, we have Els Murders, Spacey Noodles, and the disgusting Leaky Mausoleum. My favorite patron. <laughs> Every week. <laughs> And then uh, we also want to thank our brothers at the Deep Dive Podcast Network, Riot Sabbath Bloody Podcast, The Simple Man of Skinner Reconsidered, and Terry T-Bone Mathley at T-Bone's Prime Cuts. And also the patron saint and archivist of the Deep Purple Podcast, Jorg Planer. Thank you so much for all of your assistance with the show. All right. So this week we're talking about Captain Beyond. And the reason that Nick is here is because um, in listening to Pot of Thunder, I on multiple occasions heard you and Chris talk about your love for Captain Beyond. And I thought, what better way to start bringing in guests than kind of people who have some knowledge and experience and are fans of some of the things that we're going to talk about coming up. So um, what's your kind of history with Captain Beyond? How did you how did you discover them or get into them? It's uh, it's really not that long of a history at this point. It, it's a real, well, relatively recent discovery. I'd say maybe five years or more ago. A buddy of mine who um, actually had a sister who was in a, a like a punk band, like a local punk band in the '70s, so knew a lot of music. Was actually, I believe, in the erg a music war erg however you say it it's uh it's uh it's i i like the police are on it it's it's a lot of like different punk bands it's a video uh, concert movie kind of a thing from the late 70s i think um anyway so he knew a lot of really cool music and he would every once in a while he'd call me and like he'd say hey do you have uh the taken by force album by the scorpions i'm like no He's like, you need it. Like, get it. So I got it. I'm like, oh yeah, he's right. It's great. And then he's like, hey, you ever heard, ever heard of Captain Beyond? I'm like, no. It's like, oh, okay, we'll, we'll get it. You know, first album, get it. So I got it. And I'm like, yeah, this is this is awesome. And um, looked into the second album and the third album. And based on kind of was steered by Amazon reviews, a lot of people didn't seem to really care for the second album mm-hmm. as much. And uh, the third album got, from what I remember, fairly decent reviews. I thought, okay, I'll take a chance on it. Well, I guess we'll get into it. But yeah, I I enjoyed it, at least, you know, most of it. Yeah, and I think the um, the big difference is like we'll talk about going into this album is this sees the return of Bobby Caldwell and uh, Bobby Caldwell was the drummer and the principal songwriter on that original album. He left the band for the second album. 
and then came back for this album. And you unfortunately in between that Rod Evans did not come back. And uh, so you're you're hearing that Bobby Caldwell drive behind the band. And I I think this album tends to capture it a little bit more in line with that first album. Um, but some quick kind of background, we've got basically this is the same band as on the first album. Uh, on the second album, we talked about um, Sufficiently Breathless. It's a good album, but yeah, it loses a little bit of that without Bobby Caldwell. They bring in another drummer, a lot of percussion going on, like kind of a more of a Latin inspired uh, backing to a lot of the songs. This one, they kind of go back to the basics, the same lineup. But of course, uh, the label wanted to put this band back together. Nobody could find Rod Evans. He wouldn't return anybody's calls, and uh, which is not unusual for Rod. He hasn't been returning calls for about 40 years now. Um, <laughs> and so they had to go with a, another vocalist, and they they came up with R- Willie Defern, who doesn't have a lot of credits if you look him up, uh, doesn't have a Wikipedia entry, uh, but he's done kind of some stuff. He's also known as... Willie D and uh, he was played with Gary Moore a little bit. Uh, uh, the rat, the yeah, Willie. Yeah, exactly. Willie <laughs> Not that Willie D. <laughs> okay. Um, that Quite would be, a transformation. If you if that'd be that great. If this, the yeah, these were the roots. This is like his first album, his first performance. No, at least the picture I saw, I didn't look too much like Willie D. Um, uh, so yeah, he played a little bit with Gary Moore. Um, and then, uh, yeah, this is probably one of his earlier works. Um, and we've got some, before we get into the album here, just a quick little review here. We've got the album art, which I will, if this, my computer cooperates, I will attempt to share. Um, it is, it is being very slow because as we record this, we talked about earlier in the, sh- in the show, everyone in the world is using Zoom right now. So it's been a little bit, um, a little bit complicated. All right, any second. Wow, this is really big delay in loading this up. Okay. So now first the the D falls off my hat, and now this. I know, right? It's just one thing <laughs> after another. Um, so you've Technical got glitches <laughs> abound. <laughs> you've got the when this f- thing finally co- cooperates with you. You've got the album art in front of you. What do you think of this uh, of this cover? Oh, there you go. <laughs> I'm trying to hopefully the glare is not too bad. No, it's actually I think, pretty good. Uh, the captain himself, if I may, um, I think looks uh, a little oh, bit. There we go. Yeah, there, there we go. <laughs> I think he looks a, a little bit cooler in this one. He's, he's kind of laid back on the first album, just kind of <laughs> standing there. This one, he's like, looks like he's whipping an orb at you. He looks a little more rugged in this one. Like he's he's seen yeah. some stuff over the past few years. <laughs> he kind of so, looks like Rod li- Evans. <laughs> 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 he looks like they put Rod's face in there. Like maybe that was their way of including him. Yeah, they just wanted to <laughs> in memoriam there. He's he's an imposing figure. It's kind of like uh, like. If Bob Gibson were staring you down from the pitcher's mound or something, like that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and he's a lefty. It looks like he's thrown with. A yeah, <laughs> no wonder it's so intimidating. He's yeah, he's got this that weird little. I, I think there's a name for it. I forget from the first album that little symbol that looks almost like an hourglass and an orb. Um, yeah. But uh, but yeah, it's kind of a return to form of that first album cover. And the second one, Captain Beyond, was just kind of 
weirdly, oh was he like standing in the doorway <laughs> of the building or something? It's like Captain Beyond goes too beyond, you know, it was like the, that album cover had way too much on it. This one just seems to be like, yeah, pretty basic again. I like yeah. it. Yeah, that like second one, it, it, that second one's kind of like an old Genesis uh, album on steroids. It's like the album cover, just with the, the weird figures. Yeah, and it was kind of like weird, like trying to be weird on purpose, you know, like, oh, we'll have a guy, but he has an arm for a head or whatever. And, and, and this is more like <laughs> kind of has that like superhero quality that you saw from him on the cover of the first album. So it's it's still weird. It's kind of funny. They have like, it's almost like they started that... Um, you know, Iron Maiden and Megadeth having like those those uh, figures on the albums that represent that are there, but are never really referenced in any of the songs. Yeah, like the mascot. Right? Yeah, exactly. He's, yeah, he's the because uh, he was like, um, who was the um, what was the yeah, what was the Iron Maiden? Is what it was his name? Eddie. Uh, Eddie. Was, Eddie. Yeah. Right. Eddie Head. Just, yeah. <laughs> he's the Vic, like, he's uh, the Vic Rattlehead of Captain Beyond, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Vic Rattlehead. Dio mm-hmm. in the eighties had uh, Murray. Oh, Murray, yeah. the demon Murray. Yeah. So maybe so, Captain Beyond uh, pioneered that whole thing. I mean, this guy's a little more down to earth. I'd rather, you know, hang out with him than Vic Rattlehead. Yeah, he's not like a <laughs> demon, a skeleton, or like a monster. He's just some guy that's just some guy. Some guy with a cool, <laughs> cool electric bolt tiara. Yeah, on. it's it's a little bit Doctor Strange. Yeah, I yeah, I can see that. Yeah, so interesting. Oh, and he's got the little hourglass emblem on his boot too. Like it's, it's, he's really pushing that. But um, so that's the album cover. There's not like anything oh, going on with like a gate <laughs> gatefold or anything. Sorry. No, go ahead. <laughs> Sorry. I just noticed he's got like one of those uh, those infomercial uh, energy bands that he's wearing around <laughs> his wrist. That like uh, <laughs> I think it was Lee, Lee Trevino. I think was the one who was in the commercials for that. <laughs> That's what, what are those things do? Are those the magnetic bands? Or? <laughs> I think I think so. Yeah, I have no idea what they were actually supposed to do, though. They probably like he, they were like a healing thing, like the mag the, the bands with the magnets in it are supposed to like heal like pain and stuff like that. Yeah, I think like so. His, his pain healing bracelet. Captain Beyond's feeling no pain. <laughs> um, the 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 album itself, so it's a little bit different. It's. It returns back to the style of the first album and that there's a lot of things going on and the the CD track listing. We're going to kind of view this as the original track listing on the vinyl. Um, And if you'll if you notice, it's got the tracks are this is the second side, but it has Breath of Fire, If You Please, Midnight Memories and then an unnumbered track, Space Interlude, and then the song Oblivion, and then an, another unnumbered track. So on the album, you'll see all of these separate, uh, on the CD, all of these are separated into individual tracks. But we're going we're gonna to take it in the actual order it would have been on the LP. So mm-hmm. it's Captain Beyond songs are always very hard to, f- to kind of follow exactly where they're going. Um, but that gives you a little bit of background. It's not as clear cut as the original album. So, ah, there you go. You got the D back on there. I, I, yeah, for now. It's <laughs> better. That's actually that's actually better than we we don't have any merch. That's like the first uh, official oh, merch. Wow. <laughs> uh, all right, Boot, bootleg merch. It's for sale immediately after the broadcast. <laughs> yeah, we better hurry up and get this to market, mate. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Well, it's funny because uh, Steve Seaborg, who uh, is a patron, uh, owns this 
company and makes like really great quality stuff. And um, I don't know if you've seen this before, Nick. He made this this cool um, booklet that's uh, he took the oh, album, wow. the Made in Europe album, and then that's the cover of this cool uh, journal that he made for. And he he brought oh, wow. this he brought this to me when we met up at the Deep Purple concert back in October. Um, and he made, but he also does like a lot of printing. He prints like clothing and everything. And he's been telling me for like the better part of a year now hey get me your logo and i'll uh i'll print you some t-shirts but i just i can't get it together i have such a crappy small quality logo it wouldn't work so um so yeah you're you're ahead of the curve (laughs) (laughs) i like that um all right so should we get into some of these tracks here yeah why not we got nothing else to do yeah let's do it all right so it starts up with see here i'm gonna just start this up just in case we get any oh no now it's working fine this is great okay so the first track is the track do or die it's written by caldwell defern and reinhardt it starts off with a great little drum run just like that first album yeah Oh, I love that bass. Yeah, it's thumping. You know what? That bass, it makes me think of, um, makes me think of that song on that Trapeze album, Black Cloud. Oh, yeah. Doesn't it? Yeah, this actually song does have, have kind of that feel. But I mean in a good way, not in a rip-off way. No, this vocalist is pretty good. It's it's um it's kind of funny. They chose somebody that wasn't like a rod clone. You know? makes me kind of wonder what it would be like if Rod was on for this album, but he does a very good job. Yeah, this is pretty good. It's going to get a little funky here. Yes. I love Bobby Caldwell's ride work, too. It's great. Oh, yeah, this is what I'm talking about. Great guitar tone too, like a very like spacey kind of feel to it. And there's a vocal moment coming up in a bit here. That's pretty impressive. It's kind of in the background. 
I think it's right here. Whoa. Still going. <laughs> that's like that's like an Ian Gillen style just yeah. belting it out and holding it. Yeah, no, that's something that uh, Rod could have never done. No, that would have been a little outside of his wheelhouse. <laughs> I, I saw a thing on YouTube recently that there's a, it's pretty rough sounding, but there are bootlegs of Willie Deferne era Captain Beyond shows where he's doing some of, of course, the older stuff from the first two albums. Yeah, wow. I, oh, I, and it's, interesting. it's interesting to hear his voice on it. I was, he's, he's got more of like a powerful, I would say, like a, a soaring kind of like a, a voice where on like the first album, I, I think I forgot which of you guys I was watching an episode. Um, you guys said that Rod Elvins had an Elvisy kind of a thing going on vocally. Yeah, yeah we said that. Yeah, yeah I, I, I agree. Yeah, it's, I mean, it sounds great and he does kick it up a couple notches sometimes, but I think uh, like they, with, with Willie Deferred, I think it's, it's a lot more of like, a, I guess he's got a lot more of like the grit when, it, when he wants to turn it on in his voice. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Like he, he definitely like where Rod comes from the, that kind of old school of like, you know, um, Elvis or like uh, crooners, I guess. Right. Um, this guy sounds more of like a, like a Paul Rogers type of vocalist. Yeah, that's, that's yeah. A, that, that may, know, just, maybe that's it's his voice has been reminding me of something. Maybe it's Paul Rogers that I'm thinking of. Yeah, that's what I was thinking of after hearing a few tracks is just like because that's just that kind of like just like, um, you know, I um, nothing really like um, like just a really good vocalist, not like a really like high pitched like a Ian Gillen or or Glenn Hughes or just like you know, like a Ron Evans, you know, which are really distinct voices, but just a really, just a good, solid rock voice, you know? Yeah, I'm digging them. All right. So we usually um, rank these, these songs uh, on a scale of one to five, Um, five obviously being the the best. Uh, uh, John, do you want to start it off or should we have our guest start it off? I don't know. We've never done this before. Yeah, well, I've, um, what, um, hang on, I can't even... Where the hell are the rankings in here? Oh, I don't know. I can type it in for you. Um, oh, oh, I couldn't find the songs. Oh, there it is, Dawn Explosion. All right, I think we should have our guest Nick go first. All right. Okay, um, 4.5 I'm going to go with. 4.5, wow. awesome. Really, I really like this one. I think it's a... a knowing the album as... Uh, adequately i guess as i do i this is definitely the one that you'd want starting it off um i want to say on the bootleg i listened to they started the set with this one as well it's got that drum intro and um kicks it into gear it's got that that little bridge that instrumental bridge with the guitar solo it's got a lot of energy in it so yeah always loved it i love the uh i i had a like a theory kind of cooked up that uh, the Captain Beyond fans was it seventy two was the first album. Mm-hmm. I think so. Back yeah. then, it was more of like, a, oh man, you know, spacey kind of trippy kind of you know, let's let's hang hang out, you know, do whatever and listen to the album and really not do anything. And you got do or die now. Like a few years <laughs> later, you know, it's kind of like, all right, it's time to get it's enough time <laughs> to be lazy. 
Yeah, it's <laughs> time to, to get work. motivated and get into the real world here. It's it took, it took them now. three albums to get there. Maybe that's why this is the last album. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it wasn't the message that the original fan base wanted to hear. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> All the stoners are like, no, man, I don't want to do or die. I don't want either of those things. <laughs> that sounds awful. <laughs> <laughs> All right, John, what, where would you uh, rank this one? Um, I like it. I want, I'll give it, um, I'll give it a four. Um, mostly because like, it's, it's really good, like laid back song, but I just love the, the guitar solo section that just really did it for me. I was just like, as soon as it kicked in, I'm like, yeah, baby, that's my favorite type of stuff. You know that. Yeah. And I'll, I'll give it a four as well. And I really think the strength of that song and this album is in, in hearing Bobby Caldwell back. And I think drummers get a, get a a bad rap or often get thought of as like maybe the easiest band member to just replace, but they're so crucial to the feel of the, of the band. And this is where that feel of captain beyond returns in my mind, where, where it was really missing on the last album. All right. Um, next up. So the next song is Icarus. And this was actually written, um, in talking with Hartmut Crickle, who I was telling Nick about right before you jumped on, um, he was the guy who ran the Captain Beyond fan site in like the 90s. That was like an like Angel Fire or whatever, or, or <laughs> GeoCities or one of the, one of those sites. Um, and he's a great guy. We've been kind of in touch for a while now, back and forth on on Facebook and stuff. And I had a really good chat with him the other day, um, as he's also kind of stuck at home in, in Germany, and he knows everything about captain beyond we had a really good talk and i'm 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 talking about maybe put our conversation up as a bonus episode or something but so he tells me that this song is credited to caldwell dorman and reinhardt but louis gold who was the keyboardist who was previously in the band um also helped write it but he didn't get credit um and they had actually played this with and recorded it with rod evans back in 72 i think when they were doing the original album um there's i think there's a recording of that on their lost and found album um uh, but it's a little get kind of got rearranged and changed up for this album so um let's go right into it this one is called icarus you kind of get that little airy sort of floating through the clouds okay. feel i have to fade the lights down a little bit for this one <laughs> Put the black light on my uh, on my black light <laughs> Captain Beyond poster. Yeah, this definitely sounds late seventies. Bringing in the vibra slap, never a problem with that. <laughs> in the back, I'm like. Brr. <laughs> just like creeping around I feel like this could have been on Play Me Out could you hear Glenn Hughes singing this? <laughs> yes there'd only be like five words of or five lines of dialogue or lyrics and the rest of it would be <laughs> This does have a play me out feel. No, this is good. This is like that really kind of laid back late 70s, like kind of kind of groove. 
I love that catch a mother nature. <laughs> <laughs> You got one of these Bobby Caldwell arrangements here. It's just all over the place. This is good. That's like a chorus effect that you'd expect like on a Nirvana song. It's got that same like Kurt Cobain yeah. chorus. Yeah. Yeah, you, you could just tell by this whole arrangement here, like it was Bobby Caldwell. It sounds just like the first album. Yeah, the song starts off and you think you know where it's going and it just takes you in all these different directions. This is just like something off the first album. Yeah. Oh, I'm that liking ba this. That bass is incredible. Yeah, the bass is really like uh, really thumping in my uh, in my headphones. I don't know about you guys, but yeah, I think this reminds me a little bit of uh, dancing, dancing backward, uh, madly backwards. Yeah. I feel like on the first Captain Beyond, this would have been like six songs in this four minute span. <laughs> it's true. See, I, I think um, Willie Defern's voice is uh, he's got a lot less inhibited kind of a feel to it, like compared to Rod Evans on the first one. Mm -hmm. He cuts loose a few times on that first album, but it's it, there's like a, some sort of inhibition that I always sensed with it. Yeah, what, with Rod? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you could tell he was like, a lot of times he was like, you could tell he was like, or it felt like he was holding back. Or like you said, inhibited. Not really holding back, but I know what you mean. We had, we had talked in a previous episode about when we went to go see B.B. King. And my biggest memory of, of the B.B. King portion of that show was B.B. King sat the entire, this was probably what, 95 or something. Um, yeah. He sat through the whole show playing, but at the very end, he stood up. And when he's after like playing for two and a half hours and he stands up and that, and, and you could just hear the whole crowd just, like, oh my God, like it's getting real. Because <laughs> he was really getting into the solo and he stood up and he walked around for a little bit while he was playing. And that's kind of how I feel when Rod does one of those, like, yeah, or something like that. It, it, people are like, whoa, Rod, calm down. Well, it, yeah, like right toward the end of the first album, it's uh, oh, when it comes back and it's, uh, oh, what's the song? Oh, the, the, the last the, the, song, right? The one, where, the one, the one where it's yeah, 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 yeah. And he's like, here we go. Yeah, yeah. He goes crazy during that. It's great. It, oh, it, it makes I it. I loved the, hearing Rod do that. The fact that he doesn't do it that often makes it so much like it has such a bit bigger impact when he does do it. And and, and oh, yeah. Willie Defern is a little bit more. He's letting loose a little bit more on a regular basis. So 
Oh, but see, it always comes back to Rod. We're like, remember when he did that part? We went, oh, here it comes. <laughs> Actually, it sounded like Fat Albert. <laughs> yeah, I did. yeah, yeah. I don't remember. I don't remember Rod sounding that much like Fat Albert. But no, that was me trying to do Rod, which sounded like Fat Albert, which Rod was not trying to do. I'm sure. Probably not. I don't um, think Fat Albert but, had been um, invented. But, but I like, I like this. Um, I like Willie D. Um, <laughs> <Holy> he's um, <laughs> no, really, because it's like, th this is like at first, like I thought, you know, maybe the vocal effect was a little too dry, whatever. But the more that I hear it, I hear that they're picking their spots where they're kind of throwing some, some chorus on there. And, you know, he's, I don't know. I just think it's so far, it's good. It's better than what I thought, because you know how it goes, Nate, the way that we were just like, what rods are not the other two albums i'm not interested yeah. Who cares? and then we wouldn't listen to them yeah. for like 20 years and then it's like you know stupid kids that's honestly how we were with the first three deep purple albums we were just like ian gillen's not on it Meh. and then we didn't, next didn't listen to it again like we listened to it like like three times and then didn't listen to it again for 30 years um yeah but yeah so uh icarus what do you what do you think nick um i will give it a four right um i it's it's got that uh prog feel that a lot of the stuff on the first album had um it didn't go full-blown prog i don't think somehow they kind of they scale it back when they need to it doesn't it doesn't go off the rails <laughs> like you know to a point where it's like i have no idea what's going on right doesn't, it doesn't go into 17 19 time or something or <laughs> <laughs> yeah it, it gets yeah it goes it gets out there a little bit but uh it doesn't go full-blown to to where if you're like a rock fan you're just like yeah this is this is beyond my comprehension or my interest uh i think they did a i think they did a great job with changing it from one part to the other and um on this album and well the first one too i forget if it's the second no i forget which track it is but it's that really kind of slow one where there's a lot of drum rolls a lot of a lot of snare rolls um it's the one i think it's the one where he keeps saying i no longer see color uh oh, only gray yeah, yeah. only gray yeah. there's there's the 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 snare rolls it's like he has caldwell has like the cleanest um most precise sounding snare rolls like I've ever heard. It's yeah. pretty impressive. He's an incredible, incredible drummer. And I heard some of that in this, this song, Icarus. Awesome. All right. What do you think, John? Um, I'm going to, I'm going to give this um, a, a four as well. Um, I just, whoops. <laughs> I put a, I put a four in the, the worksheet, like all the way down. Where oh, yeah. nothing. We're, we're using the shared um, worksheet. There we go. There All we right. Go. Yeah. Four. I give it a four. I think it's, um, it's, it's just really good song. You know, I mean, it's, uh, like it's got more of those dynamics, um, like from the first album, like it's a lot of stuff that's reminiscent from the first album, but it doesn't go off the rails. Like it could have gotten super long, but it didn't, which if it did, it would have been fine. But, um, yeah, it was just enough. I, and I like Willie D's vocals. All right. I am also going to give it a four. I, um, to me, it's kind of reminding me, which it didn't the first few times I listened to it, but now I'm kind of drawing a comparison with Ian Gillen band where, where it's when Nick mentioned the prog part of it, I think it's got that sweet in that sweet spot for me where it's, it's not so a B, ABC, just standard formula for a song. 
it throws in all these little curves and everything enough to keep my interest, but not going so out there. Like it turns into a full on dream theater song where I might kind of like get, get a little bit lost. So, um, but you know, you're not going to just hear the song once and then remember the arrangement for it. It's, it's, it's something you have to hear a few times. Okay. The next track on the first side of this album, track three is a track called sweet dreams. And this, uh, song is written by Caldwell Dorman and Reinhardt. And uh, this is another one that they played uh, kind of a embryonic version of with Rod back in 1972, but they reworked it for this album. So here it is, Sweet Dreams. There's like a rainfall effect going on with the hi-hat. Yeah. And the kind of panning of all those harmonics like bouncing back and forth. Now you were talking about odd time signatures. This to me, this song really reminds me of uh, Zappa. Z- yeah. Uh, there's a specific call song uh, outside now. That, that oh yes. This really reminds that, me of that feel for it. Yeah, I, I, it's the same uh, arpeggiated chord over and over and over, or two chords. I think the Zappa song. Yeah, it's one of probably Zappa's more simple songs. I think that one that one's in a weird time signature also. Right. Can't even figure out what time signature this is in. <laughs> <laughs> it's it, it's one one of those songs where yeah, like musically there's a weird time signature. Somehow it's a very accessible kind of a vocal though like it sounds like it may, the vocal makes sense even if musically it's like what I can't really keep time with it well I think any any good rock song that's in a weird time signature you don't even really notice when you're listening to it yeah actually kind of I didn't even notice until you guys pointed it out just now I'm kind of hearing no. like uh, back in New York City by uh, Genesis too, like kind of that same kind of vibe. Yeah. This makes me uh, think I should have been a stone. I was, you know, I should have been a stoner or something. Like, I feel like I should be stoned <laughs> listening to this. Well, I mean, we were stoners just with without all the drugs. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> we missed we missed one key that part. Was us. <laughs> well, you can't remember anything though, so I don't I don't know what your excuse is. I I don't know. I just I just have a horrible memory. <laughs> it's a good thing you weren't a stoner. Mm-hmm. 
this is kind of great placement on the album too. Just coming up before the last track on the first side, really bringing things down a little bit, getting mellow. Yeah, you could tell a drummer had something to do with the writing of this song. <laughs> yes. Kind of like a Mark Noziv style, kind of like hitting every yeah. tom out there. It's it's got a it's got a like Beyond Tomorrow kind of a vibe uh, off the first Maiden album. Oh. Or I'm not I'm sorry, Remember Tomorrow. Oh, okay, yeah. And the drums just sound great too. They're really recorded well. Very that very dry 70s sound. All three of the albums sound really good. They're mm -hmm. mixed really well. You can hear everything, but it still has like a a really cool vibe with the combination of everything. I had a big problem with the way the second album was mixed because you couldn't hear Rod's vocals. So I would say like, you know, this one and the first album were probably like so far, I like the way that this one sounds. The second one did sound good, but they Rod was too far in the background for mm -hmm. me. Yeah, it sounded great, but there was something with him, whether it was, he was EQ'd to, to yeah. just kind of be missed in the middle of the band, or if it was that it was levels were too low. But I agree that overall in the the canon of Captain Beyond, like the albums are all mixed uh, and produced really well overall. All right, Sweet Dreams. What do you think of that track, Nick? Um, I think it accomplished what I'm assuming was the the whole uh, feel that it was going for, uh, which was like a very dreamlike, I mean, it's called Sweet Dreams, but a very kind of dreamlike, um, floaty, kind of drifting, <laughs> drifting off sort of a thing. Um, so it accomplished that. It's not one that I like if I'm listening to this album that I really listen to that often. Um, I'll give it like a 3.5. It's still really well done. Still sounds great. It's a it's a drummer's clinic, I yeah. would say, for the most part. <laughs> yep. Which is fine because Caldwell's fantastic. Uh, so, yeah, I'm going to go three and a half. All right. Well, what say you, John? Um, I'm going to give it a three because um, I agree. Um, I agree with Nick, but um, with, with pretty much everything you said, but um, for me, it was just kind of, it just kind of plotted along. Um, it was really just, it felt kind of long and everything, but, but listening to like the, you know, when you pointed out the, the odd time signature and all the drum stuff and everything like that, it was interesting to listen to, but it's, um, it's, you know, it wasn't something like, you know, I would go back and listen to um, it'd be like, oh, I can't wait to hear this, you know, like the first track. Right. I think it's kind of yeah. serving a 
a place on the album and setting that mood. It's more of like a, just kind of a mood. So it's, it reminds me of like a lot of things you hear on Pink Floyd albums where it's, is this hmm. even almost this is even a song? Or is it just kind of a mood? Um, right. Yeah, it's a good way. But I'll, I will give it a 3.5 because I liked the mood a lot. I liked uh, what the song was doing. Um, but yeah, it didn't it didn't necessarily go a ton of places. And I think it's the longest song on the album. It's probably the longest Captain Beyond song ever at like just over five minutes. Uh, most of their songs are pretty short. Um, OK, so next hmm. up. Um, we're going to uh, the last song on the first side. This song is called Fantasy and is written by Caldwell, Dorman, and Reinhardt. You have Dorman listed as a, a writer on this one? Yeah. Okay, because I've got uh, Defern, actually. That's just on my remastered oh, really? CD here. Yeah. Maybe I got it wrong. Oh, wow. You know what this really makes me think of? Some like like mid-70s grand funk. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like something from uh, Shining On or, you know, something like one of their one of their later albums. Yeah, he's got a kind of got that Mark Farner quality to his voice too, which is pretty cool. I love this riff. And how they come out of that little chorus section really nice too with that little Oh yeah, this is definitely like Mark Farner-esque right here, this whole thing. I like this. <laughs> the traditional uh, Captain Beyond, like, don't try to follow the song. <laughs> So I do have Caldwell, Defern, and Reinhardt. That was my mistake. You are correct. <laughs> it's like Gene Simmons. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> See that, John? I made a kiss reference. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> but like... But- but like it was more like Paul Rogers doing Gene Simmons. <laughs> <laughs> Love that I bass like work. The, uh, yeah, and I like the the lyrical content. It's it's like uh, the plight of the uh, performer. Yeah, the classic. Um, 
the classic song about how hard it is being in a rock band. <laughs> yeah. He says, 10,000 faceless strangers yelling out for more. I don't know if Captain Beyond is drawing that kind of crowds, but (laughs) the sentiment is well taken. Yeah. (laughs) This is some good stuff. fool you in a false ending there. Whoa. <laughs> I love that. And just cranked up the reverb to the max and belted nice. it out. sounds like some Jimi Hendrix kind of phrasing on those chords right that part yeah I was really leery of having a, a, a new singer on this album but until I heard it I think he does a great job Oh, yeah, me too. Yeah, he he nails it, really. I mean, the, like like you guys were saying earlier, he doesn't sound like Rod Evans, but it really works. Yeah, well, I mean, you could go one of two ways when you are in a band and uh, I guess established band or they, you know, they had a couple of albums and you could either get a clone of like the guy that left the band or you could go in like a different direction and either one can work but it's like it's a gamble you know but i could almost hear rod singing all of these songs in his style with the same phrasing and still having it work well this one i could probably hear rod doing that like you know kicked up rod vocals on this but um i really like this one the way it is i wouldn't change it all right, so that closes out the first side. It's a great way to end a side. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. What do you think of that one, Nick? I'm going to give that one a... I think I'm going to go another 4.5. All right. Um, that's one that I do, in fact, make sure I listen to whenever I have this, whenever I pop this one in. Um, love the... I, I, I'm a, I love that they keep the riff going throughout the verse. I'm a big fan of when they do that and they've got um, the singer doing like the big drone kind of droning note, mm-hmm. like how he's doing here. Uh, it works really well. Defern sounds great on this one. Well, they all do, frankly. And Caldwell is, I, it's, he's one of those drummers where like, if you're, 
a casual drummer and you listen to something like, okay, I can kind of understand how he does certain things. Like, Oh yeah. Caldwell's a guy where I'm like, yeah, I don't, I, if, <laughs> if I were to sit down and try, try to do something like that, like I wouldn't know where to begin. He's, and it's, it shows that, I mean, he wrote uh, most of the, he co-wrote most of the songs on the album and there's, like I was saying before with, uh, what was it with Icarus where you can tell that a really great drummer is behind some of this stuff with some of the musical changes and some of the stuff he's doing. So yeah, big fan of this one. Love it. Love the riff. Good way to close out a side. Like you guys said. All right. What do you think, John? Well, I'm going to, I'm going to agree with uh, Nick on this one, 4.5. All right. Um, yeah, I mean, I think it's um, I think it's great. I mean, the more that I like listen to it and like think about it, it definitely is like the whole song is like channeling like Grand Funk Railroad, like shining on. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, just like the the sound of it, the way that like you know, like Willie D is singing. Um, even like the guitar solo, like um, like um, you know, Rhino there is like killing it. You know, it's just like, it's, it's like a, just a hard rock riff. It's like one of those things, like it wouldn't be like a, you'd think it wouldn't be a radio hit, but it's one of those seventies, like kind of like rock songs that you're like, you can't wait to put it on. You know, it's just one of those like rockers, you know? So. Yeah. This, yeah, this like one would it. get the crowd moving in a yeah. live setting. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. This would be like that one for them. All right. I'm going to, um, I'm going to give it a four. Be a bu- buzzkill. Not. A huge buzzkill, but <laughs> you, you hate you hate it. Don't I you? hate it. It's a I hate this song. Um, <laughs> it's gr- it's great. I I love everything about it. Not sure what that little thing is. It's not put, ticking it up for four point five for me, but I really do like the song, and I think it's uh, closes out the album or the side really beautifully. Mm. Okay, let's flip this LP. Um, this is the complicated part where I have all these playlists, so hopefully they work out okay. But um, <laughs> <laughs> this, uh, so this next part on the original LP would have been considered one track, which is Breath of Fire Part One and Two. But for obvious reasons, they put it made it two tracks on the CD. So this song or these songs were uh, both written by Caldwell Deferne and Reinhardt. And like I said, the CD issue separates it into two tracks and then also gives it these subtitles in parentheses. So the LP was just Breath of Fire Parts 1 and 2. And this is Breath of Fire Part 1, A Speck Within a Sphere. And then Breath of Fire Part 2, Alone in the Cosmos. It's like there's no end to these <laughs> Captain Beyond song titles. They could just, and there's, <laughs> just crank there, them there's, out. There's, <laughs> There's a lot of lamentation when it comes to the Captain Beyond yes. character. It seems like, yeah, the yeah, the end of that first album is just like you just you just gotta go alone and meditate for a little bit about Park, what he's been yeah. through. It's like the, it's like the Silver Surfer. It's like yeah, it's cool he's floating through space, but he's really he's, he's really, really introspective and he's, just, he's you know he's struggling with things. He's angsty and he's just is like. <laughs> All right, so here we go with Breath of Fire parts one and two. This is kind of Aerosmithy. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I can hear that. Yeah. 
Well, vocals are even kind of a little bit of Steven Tyler. Yeah, early Steven yeah, Tyler. Yeah, a little bit. Right? Either that or I just hear it because you made me hear it. Captain Beyond's really bringing some really, really cool riffs. Yeah. They don't get enough credit for their riffage. Cool grooves, too. Huh? Pillow talk has now been brought into the equation. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, this is this is uh, this is the Captain Beyond love music right here. <laughs> Captain Beyond's <laughs> making sweet like, love this is, to somebody. On, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I don't know what a speck within a sphere would mean, but I mean, yeah, this is like this is a getting down on it kind of a song for sure. Speck without a within a sphere is that like uh, are they are they creating a, a a little mini Captain Beyond? Oh, could be. <laughs> That's actually, I, was, I just thought more about what you said there. I think that that might be what this is about. This is about fertilization, I think. <laughs> this is the Captain Beyond fertilization <laughs> theme. I don't know, this just makes me think of... Um, uh, train kept a rolling off of um, toys. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. The, when it's when it the slower beginning part before it goes into the live live yeah. part. All right, and now it's gonna start right up with part two here. Looks like the coitus has ended. <laughs> <laughs> But they don't sound very happy about it. <laughs> now he's like, uh, this was, why? Why did I do that? <laughs> this was a, this this was was a mistake. <laughs> this is the lament. <laughs> the child support theme of Captain Beyond. See, and, and it's called Alone in the Cosmos. I mean, now he's just like he's at the edge of the bed, staring out the window, smoking a cigarette, just like, ah, <laughs> oh, damn it. Yeah, she's sleeping there on the bed and... <laughs> Uh, we just mapped out the Captain Beyond music video for this song. <laughs> I can't believe it, it's, it could be. Could, Tawny Katane could be in it, perhaps. <laughs> A very young Tawny Katane. Yeah. Well, yeah. Her eyes were as emeralds. They turned me to stones. It was like Medusa theme yeah. here. Yeah, this uh, this was a bad idea. Yeah, this, uh, <laughs> he's, he's realizing this <laughs> demon woman that he just impregnated. 
Yeah, this passion ran way too wild. <laughs> Oh, that's great. And now he's walking in the streets. Oh, I can see it. Yeah. Yeah. Backpack <laughs> the, over his shoulder. The the pouty <laughs> montage. <laughs> Hitchhiking, Incredible Hulk style. I don't know. For some reason, I don't know if it's because we're talking about the uh, like the uh, frontman acting in the video, or if it's musically. I'm getting like sort of an Eddie Money kind of a feel on some hmm. level. Okay, yeah, I, I can see that. Yeah, I don't know if musically, if that's what I'm getting. I don't know. No, I can hear it. I can hear like a, a younger Eddie Money like in the vocals. Now it's like every time you suggest that this sounds like something else, like it's like I hear it immediately. But it oh, does. It's, it's got those little things in it, you know, those little overtones. John yeah. is very easily persuaded. Yes. I'll have to I'll suggest something completely outlandish next time. See if I buy it. Like I'm, I'm hearing a heavy Ohio players uh, feel right here. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, the very, very fast fade out just came from out of nowhere. Yeah. So of course I, yeah. I made a statement about that one song being the. Uh, longest Captain Beyond song. It's immediately f followed by two songs that are longer than that. So, um, keeping with the r poor research on this show. Um, <laughs> okay, so that was uh, Breath of Fire, part one and two. So we are we looking at them separately? I think we're well keeping or in true song. as 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 we usually do. I guess we'll kind of keep them together oh, okay. as one song as it was originally uh, put out there, hmm. but. Kind of, it feels kind of a wild ride going going through those two parts. Yeah, it complicates the voting a little bit. It for does. Me. It does. Um, I will. I'm gonna give it. Ah, it's it's very difficult. This one. I'm gonna give it a three point five. Okay. I kind of wanted to go to a four, but I'm gonna go three point five. Okay. Um, because I enjoyed talking about Alone in the Cosmos. <laughs> it was very entertaining, <laughs> given the whole uh, the whole storyline that was manufactured. Um, I really liked part one. I thought like the whole Aerosmith kind of kind of vibe. I thought that was a really really cool song. Actually, this one I don't listen to quite that much, but it's probably one that I will make sure I hit now every time I throw this on. Um, I think, uh, I mean, it very well done, great vocal performance. Of course, I, I really think Willie Defern. I, I wish he had gone on to more prominent things because mm -hmm. I think, I think he just vocally, he was deserving of that talent wise. And, and he had that on other tracks. He had that pre, uh, Van Halen one kind of squeal that trademark David Lee Roth squeal. He's doing that a few times, not in the, not in these songs we just did, but um, yeah, three point five. I, I really liked it. 
Alone in the Cosmos was just kind of like, it set a mood, but as a song, wasn't really my thing. Yeah, I got a little whiny in that part. Whereas, you know, so, which yeah, is, well, I mean, he, which is fine. He's but. going through some turmoil there, you know. <laughs> he just. He, Mistakes were made. He just sired a child with like Medusa <laughs> accidentally, at least we think. So, yeah, I guess, I guess he has some stuff to think about. All right, John, what do you think? <laughs> Um, I, every, you're going to think I'm like copying Nick all the time now because I, I give a 3.5 too. Um, I'm just glad I make some sort of sense to somebody. That's all. <laughs> no, but it, it's true because as a, a song is like a whole, I think is like, you know, for me, a 3.5 is just like average. It's like good. Like I, I really like the first one, the first part of it. And even the second part, like if we weren't, you know, talking through half of it, you know, I, I was still getting the gist of what it was, like where it was trying to go, almost like um, like a early 80s docking ballad type of thing. <laughs> mm. But um, which is cool, which is good. But I mean, it was pretty like, I mean, like I always say, like songs that we like talk through and everything like that are like they can't be that outstanding <laughs> if we're talking through them. If, the if we time. start creating, yeah, creating our own little weird side yeah. story about what it means. Yeah. Yeah, whereas like if we're not talking enough, it's because we want to hear what's going on because it's so awesome. So that's a good point to the next level, anyway. Right? Yes. Yeah. We don't. Um, and on Pot of Thunder, of course, they stop the 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 songs to talk about them. But for a full album, that would those episodes would be pretty lengthy. Um, yeah. Uh, but yes, uh, I agree with both of you. I'll give it a three point five as well. I think it's good. It's entertaining. Um, it sets a good mood, but it's not like a standout for me. All right, next up, we've got a song called If You Please, and this one is written by Caldwell, Defern, Dorman, and Reinhardt, and this one was never, this. they never played this one live. The next two songs they never played live. Um, hmm. So here you are. If kind of surprised about that for this one, actually. Yeah, right. Yeah, it's always weird, the songs, when we were doing, like, the original Deep Purple albums before the breakup, we were like, they never played this live? What were they thinking? But here we go. If you please. Kind of like a... Like a... <laughs> All right. Kind of like here a... Here we go. It reminds me of an early Beatles riff, you know, like with our early riff songs. Yeah, yeah. Now, this one lyrically is interesting to me. <laughs> it's kind of like a children's it's book. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's so easy, he says. <laughs> it's so yeah. To be a deep sea diver? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I beg to differ. <laughs> Candle maker, census taker. Just just had the census taker uh, coming around recently. Oh yeah, it's that time. Yeah, I, I mean, I would be willing to bet it's considerably easier to be a census taker than a deep sea diver, but. <laughs> I've never done either, so who am I to say? It kind of kind of goes with the uh, first song, the motivational kind of a thing. 
That's why it kind of reminds me of uh, a kid's book, you know. You can do anything. Yeah. <laughs> you can't, by the way. <laughs> yeah, so. no. Anyone could be the president. <laughs> well, you know. <laughs> well. <laughs> mm. <laughs> a, freight, a freight car rider, isn't that just a hobo? <laughs> that's 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 the only that's the only profession he names that I'm not underqualified for. <laughs> a freight car, you could ride a freight car. <laughs> that I could do. If you get on the freight car, that's pretty much you're done. Uh, maybe a candle maker. I'm not sure. <laughs> it's so easy. <laughs> I mean, this is definitely the... I'm surprised they wouldn't have played this live. It's the most accessible song on the album. Yeah, it's it's got the most... It's, it's a straight pop song, really. Yeah. I don't know. I think motivational lyrics like this are kind of cheesy. I don't really... <laughs> kind of takes me out of enjoying the song. Well, let's hear what he says about professions he names next. <laughs> Podcasters got to be on there. <laughs> Broadway critic paramedic. Uh, Broadway critics got to be a tough one to take snag. <laughs> Professionally, at least. Yeah. I really like the groove, though, that's going on pretty much the whole time. A politician or magician? <laughs> Same thing, usually. Yes. Aha, topical. <laughs> it was true then and it's true now. <laughs> of all the things to mention, oh, census taker is really weird. You got to give him credit for bringing up some of those. Some of those professions, yeah. Yeah. I wonder if there's any, like, I wonder if, like, you're a really big Captain Beyond fan, but you also happen to be a deep sea diver and you put this album on, and you're like, oh, you think it's easy? And you're getting all offended. <laughs> Screw these guys. They think uh, it's easy. They should. They should try it. Not once does he bring up student loans or anything like that in this whole song. Like, you know how much I have to pay back for learning if this all this crap? A, if this was a two-parter like Breath of Fire, then we'd have one like, ah, oh, the student loans. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, oh, now I wish that there was a two-parter. <laughs> It's like, if you please, uh, part one, followed by, oh, no, part two. <laughs> Tearing the envelope could be the name of the second part. <laughs> oh, boy, if you please. That's, that's an interesting one. Definitely, lyrically very interesting. Uh, but, yeah, I think the, uh, the, the song itself was very, like you said, it was probably the most accessible, very straightforward, had that kind of early... Uh, early to mid 60s Beatles riff kind of droning on in the background while they sang, which will probably lose points with John <laughs> for that point, <laughs> if I had to guess. But, um, yeah. bingo. Uh, all right. What, what's, <laughs> what say you, Nick? 
Well, I have a feeling John and I will not be agreeing on this one. It is, <laughs> believe it or not, as cheesy as the lyrics are, naming the certain, the specific professions and the whole, like, like you guys were saying, children's book kind of feel. Yeah. I, I love, I love this song. I really do. Like I, it's got like, I don't know, it's the groove, it's the vocal performance. It's, it, it's something. Um, I'm going to give it a 4.5, which is probably pretty crazy, but, uh, it, for some reason, like the cheese factor is all right. Like it falls into like eighties territory just as far as the cheese factor for me. It's, uh, and I, I have at first when you hear, this is actually the song that when I was going to buy this album, I was looking on the Amazon reviews and people were like, like, Oh, please. Did you hear the lyrics to, <laughs> to if you please like that is like, it's so terrible. And I heard the song go, knowing that going into it, that people hated the lyrics and I love it. I don't know. I can't pinpoint exactly why, but I think it's great. That's great. Well, we, we often run into these sorts of uh, situations and just kind of like, Hey, you know, and you guys you do on your to show too. You're like, Hey, you... I love the song. I'm not going to apologize for it. That's yeah. It's great. Um, all right, John. Uh, well, I, I'm giving this a considerably less three um, just because it was while it was entertaining, like I wouldn't listen to it again on my own. Yeah, it's not not your cup of tea. And we're yeah. generally not like uh, somebody that really listens to the lyrics like I, I you know, I kind of more listen to. And the only reason I kind of looked at these was because you specifically Nick had contacted me and, oh, yeah. and said, Oh, I, I wonder what you'd think about this song when you, when you do your episode on, on Dawn explosion. And that's kind of what sparked this whole thing. Um, I was like, well, I was thinking, well, he's a big captain beyond fan. Maybe we should have a guest on the show and, and do it with, cause we probably wouldn't have jumped to Dawn explosion quite this soon after, every, <laughs> you know, we, we don't cover captain beyond very often. Um, but we're, well, I mean, at this point, enough where they'd be like, "Welcome to the Captain Beyond <laughs> podcast." <laughs> Welcome to our third and final episode. <laughs> um, yeah, even yeah, if, and, and there's really, really not much of a deep purple connection. And on this one, there's essentially none. And we, we, we kind of, yeah. we count anything that kind of branches off. And I think that this is, uh, uh, that that's why this one still counts. We kind of branch off into a band when they've got a member of Deep Purple. We kind of fall in love with that band a little bit, and then. People leave and are like, oh, there's nothing. There's no connection anymore, but who cares? It's still part of the deep purple family tree. So we celebrate it. Um, but yeah, I'm not a big guy that really listens to the lyrics. Like I, I sometimes will tune them out. So I did kind of look at these in advance and it, it definitely was an interesting one. Uh, I will give it a 3.5. I do like the song. Um, it does have more of a, a Beatles flair to it, which is designed to be much more accepted by me than by John. Um the Beatles, the Beatles are to John as Kiss used to be to me, um, but there's no Beatles podcast yet that's turned John onto, onto the Beatles. Well, I mean, that's that's just like I mean, you know, I'm, I used to be, it used to do it to be difficult. I mean, you know, first I was like, I just didn't care about the Beatles, and then, you know, me and Nate got into this war, the Beatles versus Kiss, and then I just hated them all, out of principle, you know, like. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, he he'd be like he'd be like, "Ah, the Beatles have no cultural significance." <laughs> I was like, I don't I don't know if you can back that up. <laughs> I'm a little I'm Oh, sorry. I just say it to be difficult. That's I mean, I understand they have all the cultural significance. 
I'm a little that way with Zeppelin, actually. Like, mm. I'll admit they're great. You know, I can't deny that. But I just, I can't bring myself to be, like, identify myself as a Zeppelin fan. And I think it might be partially just to be difficult. <laughs> yeah, I'm the same way with Zeppelin. I don't know if it's because, like, I had a lot of close friends that were really into them in high school. But oh, I, boy. I, it's one of those things that I really like them and I, I appreciate them. But, like, to just, for me to just sit down and listen to some Zeppelin by myself of my own accord not likely. Yeah. yeah. I mean, with bands like that, I'll usually put on like the, like Zeppelin, like a greatest hits or a playlist or something, but it's like, I won't go looking for the deep tracks. And it's, um, it's the same as like uh, the, the, the Beatles is like, there's just, there's really no appeal for me just because I think that they're, they're dated. But it's um, all, it's also like, uh, I can totally understand even though I'm a big Beatles fan um, that you get it, you get so overexposed to all of their music over the years that you just That's never, the there's so many bands that I would, that I've, I'm kind of neutral on, but I've never once voluntarily listened to their music. Like Bruce Springsteen for me, I've never once <laughs> listened to a Bruce Springsteen song on purpose. You know, I don't hate Bruce Springsteen. I'm, I don't have agree. like a problem with him, but like, it's just one of those things that I've heard a million of his songs throughout my life. You hear him in stores, you hear him uh, on hold, you hear whatever I've, mm -hmm. or on classic rock radio driving around. I've never, I've never been the catalyst for a Bruce Springsteen song being played right. ever. It's like but. some of these bands that have been around for a while, you get that, um, like that fatigue factor, right? Mm -hmm. So, um, and it's a it's the same thing like the Beatles of like, you know, the the template of like all the songs that they wrote have been used by like a million different bands. Plus, they're in the, the elevator, the the TV commercials, like, you know, the supermarket, like everything. And by now it's just like it's, it's overplayed. And so that's and it's not their fault. I mean, I'm sure that I probably would have been like ripping my hair out in like 1964 or whatever if I like heard them, too. But. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's you like know. it's like movie cliches that have you've been done so, so many times, and then you see the original movie, and you're like, oh, this cliche again. <laughs> exactly. Frankly, my dear, I don't give a damn. Yeah, real original. <laughs> when back then they, oh, oh, he said, damn, oh my god, he swore. <laughs> Where's my fainting couch? <laughs> Where's my Jay's lounge? Oh. <laughs> All, All right. right. Well, what were we, we talking about again, Captain Beyond? So, something like something like that. <laughs> All right. Next, next uh, song up is the second to last song on the second side, "Midnight Memories." This was written by Reinhardt alone, so that's a little bit interesting. So, we start this off. This one is "Midnight Memories." Kind of like a little wing vibe to it. Yeah. <laughs> and it gets dark right there with that chord. Oh, yeah. I like this line right here. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, he's talking to the Medusa yeah. again. One track mind on this guy. <laughs> this is like the dark hear, version can... of Little Wang. <laughs> You're right. I think this this is like a Joe Cocker song musically. 
Yeah, I can hear that. Except for where it gets, yeah, that weird chord, that second one. That's such a weird chord change. Yeah. Kind of a neat choice. It's it's really the only thing that's kind of edgy or different about the song. Like lyrically, vocally, everything. It's pretty. Uh, I mean, it's uh, it's like a seventies kind of love song, really. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Kenny Rogers could have done this song. <laughs> Nazareth. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, that hurts. That <laughs> <Yeah>, song. <laughs> yeah, that, oh that chord is the only thing that stopped it from getting onto the Dazed and Confused soundtrack. It's like, nah, it's too weird. <laughs> Some nice bass going on, some nice uh, busyness going on. A little uh, Clapton-esque, I guess, with the guitar solo. Oh, sure. It sounds like he's he's harmonizing with himself there. It sounds like a, another yeah, Willie Dufern. So. Oh, if only there were more than one. <laughs> There's only one <laughs> Willie D, or maybe two. <laughs> Do you think this is him coming to peace with the woman that he was regretting, or is this a different woman? Yeah. I think so. This is yeah. I think he's coming back to this now. I mean, he really does. He want to go back and take back some of the things he said about her with her emerald eyes, a, and it, it, <laughs> turning him to stone. It's a roller coaster of a relationship. <laughs> it is. He's had a couple of drinks, I think. Yeah, that, that, he's loosened up a little bit. He stopped off somewhere, and now now he's coming back to the to the house and. <laughs> <laughs> He's just he goes outside her window. <laughs> yeah, he was getting into vocally some stuff that reminds me of uh oh, I forget his name now. Uh first name was Lenny, uh from Tower of Power. He was the lead singer for a little bit. Lenny mm-hmm. it's I don't know, but it's like like a like a soul kind of a like a, a ballad. 70s ballad but with a soul singer he was getting into some stuff like that sure yeah wow okay that's a, that's a great uh, little closer for the uh well that's almost a pre-closer i should say our warm-up for the last song but midnight memories what do we think about these midnight memories <laughs> That he's having. I like these midnight memories. <laughs> you like these, these are good. <laughs> these are good, <laughs> these are good memories. <laughs> this is stuff you want to hold on to for a long time. Uh, I think uh, I'm going to give this one. 
I'm going to give it a four actually, believe it or not. Um, it's, it's, a. Uh, it's kind of a, just, it's straightforward for the most part, but then like John was talking about, there's that second chord that comes in that gives it like, okay, this is an album that's not for everybody. It's kind of reminding you, oh yeah, this is one of those like cool musicians talk about this album kind of, kind of bands. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not straight up pop all the, you know, they, they can't really bring themselves to do that maybe, or they just don't want to. And that's fine. I like that. I like that weird chord actually. And the fact that they were able to incorporate that and have it be like a straight, a straight love song. I think that's a, that was really cool. Uh, it's a testament to the songwriting really. And, uh, I, I'm influenced a little bit by the story, the storyline that's going on during this. Uh, maybe the, maybe the girl's name is Dawn. I don't know. Maybe that's, you know, and maybe it's, you know, an explosion, uh, just it's ta- it, the whole experience with this woman has, uh, has thrown him and it's, you know, ex- it's exploded on, onto the scene in his life. But, uh, no, I think it, it's a, a very, very well written, very, very well executed love song. And it's a little dated, but that's, that's fine. I don't mind that at all. All right. Wow. Interesting take on that. I, I like that. never thought of that. <laughs> I'm just rambling. I don't know. <laughs> oh, it's I, I I love that analysis of what's <laughs> going on. I, I feel like I understand Captain Beyond so much better. The the man Captain Beyond, not the not the band. Well, behind every captain there's a, <laughs> there's a woman. <laughs> <laughs> All right, what do you think about this one, John? Um you, you know what? I um my my rating is is going to be um, a three, um, just because, um, you know, as, um, as cool of a ballad as it is, uh, just because I like that whole little wing kind of, uh, tie in and the, that kind of like, um, you know, off chord, which makes it different. It just didn't, um, it didn't really like hook me in. There was nothing really, um, um, uh, special about it, I guess, except that, like, you know, I usually, you know, judge a song based on like, you know, how, if I would listen to it again or, you know, how, how into it I get. And this one was just kind of, um, it was, it was good. It was like, okay. All right. Well, I'm going to give it a 4.5. I really, uh, yeah. I'm a hard ass over here. You you always (laughs) are. Um, I, I really dug it. I thought it was, and it feels like it kind of closes out the, at least the lyrical content of this album really nicely. This pining for this woman who we'll call Dawn. I like that. I I like that theory. (laughs) Dawn, the the Medusa. (laughs) The the Jezebel of this album. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but yeah, I really, I like, I love that, that, that chord they throw in there, which I, Really, I'm like I'm looking at my guitar right now. I'm like I'm fighting the urge to pick it up and try to figure out what that chord is. <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, I really uh, I dig it. I dig this song a lot. Okay, that leaves us with only one song left, or three, if you're <laughs> dealing with the CD, and mm-hmm. um, that is the song "Oblivion," as it was called on the original album. And on the CD, is separated into three tracks, Space Interlude, Oblivion, and Space Reprise. Classic um, uh, classic 
Captain Beyond as it, as they are only it's only four minutes long. So you've got like a 50 second interlude, a 50 second reprise and then this little middle section. So um, here we go with Oblivion. Sounds a little bit like uh, Peter Chris's drum solo on Alive Two. Yeah, with with the phasing yeah. for all the for all the Kiss fans uh, out there. <laughs> See, I knew what you were talking about. <laughs> I don't, but I I trust you guys. <laughs> all right, now as far from Kiss as you can get. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But imagine maybe, if we're... maybe the elder. <laughs> this could have been on the elder. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right, you got me on that one. Now imagine if we were ranking just this one fifty-five second bit. Like, what would we even say? I, I don't know. Some toms, and then a... that's the end of the first section, the interlude. It's like a like a evil wind chime. <laughs> a wind chime gone bad. <laughs> Oh, if I had any wind chimes like this, I'd take them back to the store. <laughs> I'd be like, this is like, this isn't calming at all. This is making me very uptight. My blood pressure is going up. <laughs> Hang these on my patio and they give me anxiety. What the hell? Like someone needs to get their tuning fork back out and uh, work on these. <laughs> take them into the, into the shop. <laughs> I, need to, I need to fix these. All right, did this... I think these might have played wrong. Did I play this in the wrong order? Let's see. Oh, yeah, I did. I don't know. Did you? This is the, this is the, um, okay, <laughs> here we go. So is this supposed to be the second one? This is the second one. Yes. good reminds me of like some uh, like Billy Cobham yep I was just gonna say it. it's like spectrum re re reprise really oh, it's kind of it's getting into some fusion Definitely, yeah. Full, full on fusion territory. Very odd tone on the guitar, too. Boy, yeah, I, I, I love the tone on the guitar. The rhino is really killing it. Such an odd way to close this album out. Well, that's Captain Beyond for you. Yeah, yeah, they always keep you guessing. That's great. He doesn't play by anybody's rules. <laughs> I 
All right, so then what's gonna ha supposed to happen right after this is we go into the. This is the reprise that is gonna close out the album. Okay. So that was my mistake. So wait, is this the one you played first? Yes, that was a mistake. And then it's kind of like I don't know if he's boarding his special space pod and <laughs> going on to conquer another planet or another dawn. <laughs> he's going out to look for Rod. <laughs> <laughs> Good luck. And Captain Beyond was never seen again. That's it. Okay. It's the end. Very cool. That is the odd ending of the Captain Beyond album. All right. So I kind of botched that, but how do what do we what do we think of that uh, assortment of? Um, I mean, I guess you kind of almost have to look at it just like that middle section. The two, the interlude and the reprise are kind of like just space uh, space effecty sort of things. But. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I think uh, putting them all together, I'm going to give it a 3.5. Um, it, it, it's, it's, I'm assuming this is storytelling. Like that's, that's what they're doing. What the story is, I don't know, but, <laughs> but they're taking you to different places and you're supposed to kind of, it, it's, it, it's um, very subjective, which is, I think is pretty cool. And um, I think, you know, Usually that's not really my thing, the sort of like fusion-y sort of jam. I mean, I get it. I respect the musicians who can do that and everything like that. It's just not something I really would like listen to. I think they did an excellent job with it, of course, uh, on this. And um, sure, why not throw in some weird effects? Uh, okay. <laughs> you know, it's fine. <laughs> it's it's a Captain Beyond album. It's it's weird. It's eerie at times. And, you know, sure, why not? Um, yeah, so that'll be mine. All right, three point five. What do you think, John? Um, I give it. Um, I give it a four. Um, just on that, the middle part alone. I mean, the the two other parts, like the bookends to the song, are just like you know. I get it, but it's it's like I I like that that jammy kind of stuff, and um, and it wasn't too long, and it was like I don't know. I just thought it was a monster like lead guitar tone and and solo. You know, mm -hmm. I, I just like that kind of stuff. I mean, even if it's not you know, uh, technical or a, a thousand notes a minute type of thing, which, you know, I don't really love anyway, but it doesn't have to be that. It just has to, you know, hit you right here. And I thought it was pretty cool. And what I like about it was it just didn't go on and on and on and on. It was just sweet and to the point. So I like it. Yeah. The, um, the fusion part of the song itself was only, um, two minutes and 14 seconds. And then you yeah, had like a 50 something second bookend on either, either end. I'm going to also give it a 3.5. I really dug it. I, I love that. I, I really dig that kind of fusion stuff. But the fact that it was very quick and only two and a half minutes that could or less than two and a half minutes, it could have easily been eight minutes of that. And you would have it would have lost a lot of people. Um, an odd way to close the album, though. And I think that's why I kind of in my mind, I think of that Midnight Memories as being the close for the album because it kind of sets that tone. And then you've just got this weird spacey captain beyond jam as he boards his craft to to leave the the, the solar system or whatever he's doing so um but yeah i really uh yeah, yeah. I, I i dug that that track 
Yeah, I feel like you could have flip-flopped. I'm like, that could have been next to last, and Midnight Memories could have been last. Mm -hmm. And that could have closed out the album. But... Absolutely. Yeah, they're Captain Beyond. They can do whatever they want. <laughs> All right. So uh, how does this album stack up, John, compared to uh, previous albums? So, we've, yeah, well, we'll it's a little different this time because we do have uh, guest ratings, too. But uh, we can kind of go through our just kind of stacking this up against some other other albums. Right. So um, let me see. OK, so, yeah, if we just do it, you know, stacking it up you know, with the, the two of us combined because, it, you know, it comes out a different, um, you know, a different, uh, what is it, rating with three of us. It's um, a 7.44 combined rating for you and me, which is very, very close to like um, Roger Glover's Elements. Um, uh, what's this? Um, teaser. Mm-hmm. Um, it's tied with Richie Blackmore's Rainbow, the first Rainbow album. Yeah, I could see that. Seeing as that, like, um, I feel like Blackmore's Rainbow. Did I did I not like it as much? No, we actually we had the same exact rating on it. Yeah, mm -hmm. but well, let me see. With our combined rating with Nick was eleven point four four, which beats out all other Deep Purple albums. <laughs> it beats everything. <laughs> It's got an extra four points. Yeah. The greatest album of all time. <laughs> it is in, in deep purple podcast history. Uh, yeah. Well, as we have more guests on in the future that you've, you've set the standard for what our combined rating is with a guest. So, but actually if you look at it, like um, our ratings were lower, like his was um, uh, four and even four for the album. Um, yours was a 3.81, mine 3.63. So about what I thought. Like it, I I liked it the least, followed by you, followed by Nick liking it best. Yeah, we're we're all in the in the ballpark basically. Yeah. Yeah, but it's um I mean there's no exact science to it, you know, but a lot of times when we compare ratings and stuff like that, it, it just it seems to seems to make sense on like if you don't think about it too much, like on a really basic level, like, yep, I can see that, you know, or yeah, that makes sense. Um, just on how we rated it, even though there are some that like the, the scales are tipped clearly in one's favor because somebody likes something a lot more. And I, and I was like, somebody likes it a lot more, but I don't, it's usually what happens. Yeah. It's usually someone likes it more than John. <laughs> well, I was, I always think of, um, the example you always give is who do we think we are? Because the only reason that got a halfway decent rating was is because you love all the songs and I didn't. So I dragged it down, but you kept it afloat. Yeah, I, I propped it up and kind of inflated the overall numbers. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, but, yeah. Overall yeah. a good album though. I thought it was pretty decent. That was excellent. And yeah, there's some good songs on there. I'd listen to them again. You know what else was excellent? Having Nick Jones of Pot of Thunder uh, on the show. Thank you. Thank you. That was a lot of fun. Do you have a second to stick around? We, as we close out the show with a little deep purple history. So we just got a few little quick history sure. notes before we, uh, before we wrap it up. Sure. Um, so yeah, so we, we kind of, let me open my file here, but we kind of talk about some of the big moments in deep purple history that would have happened. So the week that this episode comes out, uh, believe it or not, based on when we're recording it, this will come out April 20th. 
Uh, so we're a little bit of he- ahead, which is good given the current <laughs> situation of the world. <laughs> Who knows what's going to happen two days from now at this current moment. Uh, but yeah, this will come out the week of April 20th through the week of April 26th. And huge day in Deep Purple history on April 20th, 1968. Deep Purple, I should say Roundabout played their first show. Deep Purple's original name, of course, on uh, April 20th, 1968 in uh, Tastrup, Denmark. That's their first show. I think we've brought this photo up on the on the podcast before. You can see Richie. Mm -hmm. Let me zoom in a little bit here. You can see Richie. You can see John kind of hanging out there. You can see Richie just (laughs) standing behind some amplifiers. You can see Rod Evans with those tight striped pants on. See a little bit of Ian Pace's bouffant poking over his symbol and Nick Simper there. So big moment. And then on April 22nd, 1997, Blackmore's Night releases Shadow of the Moon. This is where Richie begins his foray into the medieval music that would dominate his um, dominate his career until present day. How do you feel nice. about Blackmore's Night, Nick? Have you heard any of their stuff or what's your... I checked it out. Um, I, I guess it's, it's, I'm sure it's difficult to play. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't, it, I mean, it's, it, it's not for me. <laughs> it's, uh, it's very uh, hokey at yeah. times from some of, from stuff yeah. that I've listened to and just some of the, like he wears that hat. <laughs> <laughs> The, hat, the hat's a little bit hard to get past sometimes. Well, the hat's always been hard to get yeah. past with Richie. In his defense, he's been wearing that hat since like 1970. <laughs> I, I just love it. It was like a backhanded compliment almost. You're like, yeah, I, I guess the music is It's like it's hard to play. <laughs> it's like, well, that's got to be a big part of the appeal for him, I would think, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's what I always thought is it's just like I feel like he's just kind of like trotting this out as it's just like look look at me. I don't even, <laughs> well, I kinda, can't even do I, it. It's just like, look how medieval it is and how difficult these chords are. And it's like, well, it's not really that interesting. I remember hearing about him getting into this. And when this album first came out, I think I was with you, John, and I picked up a copy of it and yeah. listened to it. And you know, it, it's one of those things where I, I, I listened to it quite a bit just to kind of like grasp it, but I never really dove too much more into Blackmore's Night after this because, yeah, it didn't really resonate with me either necessarily. But but at the same time, I've always just been really happy that, you know, Richie's happy. He's doing what he wants to do. This is what he wants to do. He's having a, he's having a blast tour in the world. It seems like he's having a lot of fun. So whom who am I to judge? Well, I would just say that that kind of renaissance fair music is a really acquired taste i think yeah yeah i take and i I guess you know i'm just like with everybody else i think a lot a large segment of people that talk about richie wishes that he would you know at the time or even now get back to rock music is just because like yeah he's been releasing a lot of albums but nobody's really interested in it well a whole different group of people are interested not the same not like us like people like us aren't you know we're kind of sad that we don't you know had didn't have like 10 more rainbow albums instead of you know 10 you know uh, like albums with like you know the pan flute on it and stuff (laughs) 
<laughs> and the loot. <laughs> there's a there's a pretty big Renaissance fair um, about an hour and change from here, and we take the kids like once a summer to go to go to it. And when you walk around, it's just like that music playing in the background. And I, there's something about when you don't maybe understand a genre where it all sounds the same to you. And that's kind of where I am with this. It sounds, it all mm-hmm. sounds kind of the same, the same instrumentation, the same stuff, but I'm, I'm sure there's a lot more to grasp in this. And eventually we, eventually we'll get to covering some Blackmore's night stuff, which should be really yeah. fun just for your reactions. <laughs> I was going to say, that'll be, that'll be part of what we were talking about before is, is when you have to sit down and listen, start to finish to an album that you, probably wouldn't have on your own that'll be the test as to like whether we'll uh yeah i'm sure that we'll actually find some redeeming qualities about it oh of course yeah i, I enjoyed listening to this but i kind of fell by the wayside i never revisited it too much yeah me neither and then our last little piece of deep purple history and i think this is gonna be the last time we do this because we've just rounded off our first year so Whoa. um i think this will be the last segment we do of this as we don't want to just keep continuing the same stuff. But on April 26th, 2013, Deep Purple releases Now What? And there you go. Which I've only heard a few times. Um, mm-hmm. But I don't have like a lot of insight to share into that one, I'm just saying. They release it, and we will one day cover it. Everyone's wondering, when are, when are they going to start covering anything past Come Taste the Band? And the answer is, someday. <laughs> we will. Yeah, we'll get there. We'll get there eventually. Um, oh, but you know what, Nick? I got one more thing uh, from the liner notes of the CD. Oh yes, we, <laughs> we forgot to talk about. So this is the uh, <laughs> the Captain Beyond uh, liner notes. There's a uh, picture of the band, and uh, Nick, you had something to say about this? Oh, just just uh, it always <laughs> struck me because right. Rhino's hair is is uh, one of these things is not like the others kind of a situation. Um, like, is that? Is that I mean, it's it's Rhino, like, the, well, he's the third guy. That, he's, <laughs> who you mean, Kenny Loggins? There, okay. yeah, Saturday Night Fever himself over here. It's like I expect somebody to see somebody with like a bicycle pump behind him, just inflating his hair. <laughs> and I. Well, maybe, I Growing up, I had friends who they had dads who had yeah. that hairstyle well, <laughs> totally. well into the nineties. But like, you usually just the mustache, though, no beard, just the mustache. Oh. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that I was think, just uh, that was something that always struck me when I bought this album. I looked at, it, I'm like, oh man, look at that. That is quite a head of hair. The, um, yeah, the late uh, um, Nikki Semper from the late sixties called, and he wants his hair back. <laughs> Look at that guy over on the right. Who's the guy over on the right? He's like, oh, uh, that's. Uh, I think that's Lee Dorman. Yeah, I think that's Lee Dorman. He's just like, who do you think? What do you think you're doing? I, I think he's just trying to look around the guy's hair. To get get in the make he's sure like, he's I in can't the shot. Rhino showed up with this hair. And then wait, who's the who's the guy on the left there? The the middle guy. He's got that long nose. I think that's Willie Defern. Is it? Wow, I that's uh I think from left to right, if I'm not mistaken, if it is listed left to right correctly, and Willie Defern, yeah. Bobby Caldwell, yep, and then Rhino and then Dorman. Yep. Oh, called that's Caldwell. He looks like he's like he looks like he's like 18. I know, and this yeah. is this is five years after the first album, so pretty crazy. Wow, so he was in junior high when he did the first Captain Beyond. I remember. <laughs> no, I don't know. I'm making it up. I don't know. I remember in, in, like, when we were kids, I had the, the Boston album, and I remember the picture of Sib. I think we just thought it was funny that his name was Sib, but he also had like giant hair like that. But that's wow. great. 
That's uh, that's quite a picture. Yeah, <laughs> those I guys. They almost forgot to bring that picture into the interesting into look the mix. that they had. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, we don't want that stone left unturned. <laughs> <laughs> well, Nick, once again, thank you so much. It's been an absolute pleasure having you on the show. And um, again, we're huge fans of your show. So if you're going to listen to one pat- podcast, listen to Pot of Thunder. If you're going to listen to two, it would be great if you considered us. But uh, Pot of Thunder is a great show every (laughs) week. And I've, I, so I, I started listening to the show. I think you guys had tagged us early on. And when you did the, the Glenn Hughes, Glenn Hughes song, uh, getting tighter. And uh, so I listened to the episode and I just thought you guys were great. So then I, for like a few weeks after that, I'd cherry pick. I'd be like, oh, I like this song. I'll listen. And then after two or three episodes, I was hooked. Yeah, I listened to all of your episodes going in reverse order until I got to the end of where you started. Mm. You stopped doing Kiss. Then I started back at the beginning. And I'm, right now I'm like almost at episode 100. And I'm listening to I just listened to the Gut Love for Sale part two. So oh, yeah. Chris's rebuttal to you. So I'm so I'm I'm making my way through the catalog and you know it's it's one of those things you know you've got a good podcast when you um as soon as you're caught up on everything you just start that's that's your go to if you're in the middle of a podcast a new episode of something else comes up I go to that I'm in the middle of halfway through an episode of something a new pot of thunder comes out I'm going to listen to that and stop everything in its track so we always really um, en- enjoy your episodes and then we'll be texting each other back and forth like, did you hear what they said in this episode and <laughs> <laughs> yeah usually that's that's de- that's what we do it's usually him first he's like did you hear this week's POT you know I'm just like yeah I'm right in the middle of like one I think it was what a week or two ago I'm like no, I didn't listen yet. No spoilers. And then, of course, you freaking spoiled the I, whole I, thing. I forgot. <laughs> I forgot you said that, but yeah. I was like, uh, no yeah, spoilers. I, Can you believe when they said this? And I'm like, I said no spoilers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it doesn't It do, doesn't matter on the artist or the song or whatever. It's just so much fun hearing yeah. you guys talk. That's greatly appreciated. And I've been listening to you guys more. Like um, when uh, Andy and Chris actually hooked up with you guys, when they did the um, the Getting Tighter episode, that was when I wasn't on the podcast for, for a few months there. Oh yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, so I didn't really know what was going on. And then I, I saw you guys kind of commenting on things and checked it out and been really enjoying it. So yeah, it's, uh, you guys are one of my go-tos right oh, now. So. Awesome. Well, that's, that, Thank you. That is the highest and, praise we could possibly uh, ask and for. I, and I love the, uh, the Joe Lynn Turner um, <laughs> commercials. Yeah. And I didn't do one this episode. I should have, I should have pulled one out. <laughs> oh, well, being um, did, Nate, did you get me into the into their podcast? I feel like you did, and I don't know how I didn't know about it. If <laughs> I know, which is funny because <laughs> you're the Kiss fan. Because yeah, exactly. Like oh, being I think a Kiss I, fan, I, I love think it like I a did. thousand times more. I so. think it was when I was kind of like looking for for uh, kind of here, like what are band podcasts doing? And I pulled up some right, Kiss right. podcasts, <laughs> and I think I pulled pulled theirs up and said, "Oh, here's a here's, here's an interesting one," but I didn't know anything about Kiss, so I didn't know like really what to expect. Um, yeah, well, neither did neither do we really. Like, did, <laughs> yeah, I mean, really, the, if you put you put yourself out there as a Kiss fan on social media, you immediately find out that you don't know anything. Yeah, and we're in the same boat where we we just yeah. constantly say, "Hey, we're just we, we love we yeah. we're fans of the band and we like all their offshoot stuff." But uh, if you're looking for someone who knows everything and can answer every question, we're not the guys. We're just couple couple of dorks who like to talk about Deep Purple. Yeah, which is you know um 
I think the basis for any good podcast. So. Exactly. <laughs> um, I would say though, to, to the, to date though, I think the podcast, the episode of your guys that we had the most fun listening to or commenting back and forth was um, the Odyssey episode from the <laughs> author. Because it was just, it was just so bad. And you guys were cracking up so much. And I'm like, I was like dying. It was like, it was so good. It's like every week's a new classic though. There's so many good ones. Um, oh, the, yeah. the Fred bear episode is always a go-to for me. Wow. It's just so good. <laughs> I, I can't yeah. remember. There was, there was a, there was a song. It was a gene song and it was, there was, I'm sure it was Chris. And he was just like, Gene said something. He's like, what is this guy? A sociopath. And I just <laughs> lost it. And I'm just like, he went right to the top shelf. We just call it a sociopath. And I'm just like, what is he even talking about? This oh, is so yeah. funny. It's, uh, flying off the handle is, uh, yeah. is the, the philosophy. It seems. Yeah. Well, the, the, the banter is like fantastic. Like, I mean, it's even like Nate was saying, even when it's not kiss songs, even when you guys doing, um, February, it's like, oh. It was just, it was awesome. <laughs> or just reading, just or just reading bagged pickle reviews. It's, it's all, it's all good. It's all good. Yeah. We kind of, we kind of ripped that off a little bit in a couple of episodes, reading a couple of Amazon reviews. Cause I'm like, we should do it too. Yeah. It's, it's kind of like written for you. It's just comedy gold. Just reading what people are reviewing. I know but. it's, yeah, it's so easy to, to do that. And like the Coverdale tweets, I, 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 I go back and pick those out. Oh yeah. Coverdale, yeah. Coverdale is oh, just yeah. a gold those mine. Are, those are great episodes. <laughs> well, Nick, Thanks, thank man. you so much. We really appreciate you taking the time to talk with us today about Captain Beyond. And uh, hopefully yeah. we'll uh, maybe we'll have you on again some other time if you're uh, interested, if we find out some other crossover act that works. Oh, I'd love it. I had a great time. Thank you. Awesome. Thanks, Nick. All right. See ya. Yeah, thanks. Take care. Thank you for listening to the Deep Purple Podcast. If you like what you hear and would like more episodes in the future, please donate on Patreon to support the show. You can also give us a rating on iTunes to help new people discover the show. You can follow us on YouTube, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook for show updates. See deeppurplepodcast.com for more details. Thank you for listening. Do I really have to go? Or are we just <laughs> No, please stay on. Oh man. Oh.